Would you turn, please, in the scripture to 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter. We began some weeks ago on a subject called fighting the good faith fight. And uh, I believe we're nearing the end of this series for now, for this season. But we've, uh, we've camped here for quite a while. We've, we've covered a lot of ground. The Lord's helped us. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. I, I mean, I know he has. I, I know the things that he's given me to share with you. I didn't think them up and didn't figure them out. You know, you can study till you faint and fall out of your chair. And unless the Lord gives you something, you don't have anything. And if you do manage to conjure and figure something out on your own, don't preach it. <laughs> don't. You'll just confuse people. <laughs> but if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's you. In 1 Timothy 6, our main text has been verse 12. What does it say? Fight. Who's supposed to fight? Who's the understood subject? You fight the good fight. We already know just, just by that, you know it's a fight you win. Because ain't no way getting beat up was a good fight. Huh? <laughs> getting pummeled is, no, you, you know, you don't come, come away beat to a pump and go, man, over a good fight. <laughs> No, no, you don't call that a good fight. The person that says it's a good fight was the one that won. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you're also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Next verse. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. He keeps talking about confession in connection with fighting the good faith fight. We saw in Revelation, Jesus fights with his mouth. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. And we're told in uh, Ephesians that our offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do you fight this good faith fight? Well, 2 Corinthians talks about we got the same spirit of faith like the patriarchs of old, Abraham, Elijah, all those guys, David, and we believe and therefore we speak. That's how you got born again and it's how you live the faith life and walk the faith walk. People who are not familiar with this, they may wonder visiting us, why do y'all say so many things? He's saying, say this and say that. Everybody's saying it. Everybody, you know, they're just talking, talking, talking. It was that way from the beginning. Amen. It's always supposed to have been this way. Our high priest works with what we say. Amen. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Amen. Of what, not just empty idle words, but words we believe in our heart. Amen. If you believe it in your heart, and you say it with your mouth, yes. you're born again. Anybody know that is true? Yes. You're born again. Yes. Miracle of miracles. Yes. You didn't get healed spiritually. You were reborn. Yes. New creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. How did that happen? You believed it in your heart. And you said it with your mouth. Well, that's, that's the way you got into the faith, life, and walk. But many people stop right there. They don't realize, no, that's how you do everything. That's how you live day in and day out. If things are not going right in your life, you need to start believing and speaking to them. I don't care if it's your money. I don't care if it's your kidney. Your kidney's not working right. You don't just go, well, got a bad kidney. Lord, help me to bear my burden. Now Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and carried your pains. Hallelujah. And you can reign in life 
Hallelujah. By faith in him, you say, kidney, listen to me. You're my kidney and you have to do what I tell you to do in the name of Jesus. Work. Function. Normally. Now, if you go, no, I don't believe in all that. Well, then you won't be bothered with any results. Did Jesus function this way? Did he speak to the wind and to waves and to trees and to fevers? Fevers. The Bible said concerning Peter's mother-in-law. Dr. Luke said she was taken with a great fever. That means she was high fever, delirious. Close to death, perhaps. And they asked Jesus to minister to her. He came in there. You know what he did? He said he rebuked the fever. He's not praying. He's not talking to the father. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. He didn't rebuke her. He's talking to the fever. I remember one time I read that and I thought, now hold on, hold on. Jesus is talking to a fever. Can fevers hear? And I read the next phrase, it said, and it left her. I thought, yep, fevers can hear. If fevers can hear, blood pressure can hear. Cancer can hear. Infection can hear. Inflammation and swelling can hear. It can hear, but is anybody talking? Is anybody saying, you know, so many people, they, they, instead of doing what he, the Lord told them to do, they're continually begging God, please heal me, please heal me, please heal me, please make this mountain go away, please make this problem leave. He didn't tell you to beg him to make the mountain go away. He told you to talk to it. Yes. Didn't he? Yes. And for uh, further information along that line, we have a series outside. That won't cost you anything. In uh, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, please. At the end of Paul's life and ministry, he makes this statement, and I want to make it at the end of my life and ministry. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6. How about verse 2? He said, do what? Preach. Preach. The word. Be instant, that means be ready. In season, that's when you're expecting it. When it's convenient, out of season, when you wasn't expecting it. When it's not convenient, when it wasn't planned. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Are there groups around that don't want good Bible teaching? <laughs> There's quite a few folks. They don't want the truth. They want what they want to hear. After their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. What does that mean? Teacher, teacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. (laughs) They'll turn their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. That's going on right now. People, they get more excited about fictional works than they do the Bible and the truth. That's a thought right there. Verse 5, but you watch in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. I'm now ready to be offered. Did Paul make full proof of his ministry? Oh, yes, he did. How many think he did the whole thing from start to finish? He went all the way. I'm ready to be offered. Don't you like the sound of that? What's he talking about? He knows he's near death. He's near the end of his life. He's near whether they're going to kill him, how it's going to happen. But he knows I'm near the end of my life and call and ministry. And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. No screaming and crying, please don't kill me, please, please, please. None of that foolishness. 
He's not a coward. And when you get full of faith, you quit being a scaredy cat. You quit being a coward. There's all kind of people. They will do anything for a few more hours to live down here. They'll do anything to live another day or two. That's ridiculous. You're not going to be here much longer no matter what you do. And if you're a believer, you have no cause to fear death. Death is not the end. It's not termination. It's transition. He describes it here. I'm ready to be offered. The time of my demise is at hand. (laughs) The time of my destruction. What? Termination. No. What? That's like you went to the airport. Arrivals and departures. The time of my departure is at hand. Now boarding flight seven. (laughs) For heaven. Huh? (laughs) And it's all first class. (laughs) Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Paul said, I'm ready. When you know the truth, you'll be ready too. When your time comes. Now he, he's run his course. He's preached everywhere, started churches, done everything right. Not just ready to go, but ready to go because he's fulfilled his call. Keep going. Verse 7. He said, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have what? I have fought A good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I want you to say that out loud. Those those three phrases. I want you to practice. Because soon and very soon. The Lord tears is coming. uh, You'll breathe your last. Is that right? I want you to know what to say. Right before you board. Flight seven. To heaven. Sit out loud. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Now you're not ready to go unless you've done that. I've fought a good fight. I've finished. Don't you like the sound of that? Finished. How many think a lot of people leave before they're finished? They leave early. They die young. Too early. Uh, They didn't finish. Now, you know, they're saved. They're with the Lord. They were believers. But they were deprived of time and ministry and reward that they should have had in this life. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. Say it out loud. I have kept the faith. Why would you need to fight and why would you need to keep the faith? What does that tell you? Something is going to try to take your faith from you. Hmm? Which is why you have to fight. To keep it, them, that from taking your faith from you. Is it possible to lose your faith. Yes. Oh it has happened. Too many times. And there's nothing much more sad. Than someone who's lost their faith. Someone who's lost their faith. Has lost the fight. Has lost the battle. Has been defeated. And is going to experience destruction. In those areas. I want you to sit out loud. I have fought a good fight. I will fight a good fight. I will finish my course. By the grace of God. By the help of the Lord. I will keep my faith. I will keep it. I'm not going to let the enemy take my faith from me. Hallelujah. Go with me to... To Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, verse 10, I want you to notice something. 
He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Does that indicate he's going to help you? He's going to give you his strength. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Now all the armor that he's about to talk about in this passage that we've already gone over. We've gone over each piece. It's for what? What is all this to help you to do? Well, read read the rest of the verse. It's right here. Why do you put on all the armor of God? That you may be able to stand against what? Not the power of the devil. He's been defeated. Jesus has stripped him. Brought him to naught. Is that right? The devil cannot. This is something every Christian needs to know and believe. He cannot make you do anything. Can't. Can't. Did you hear that word? He can't. The devil himself, all of his cohorts, evil spirits, wicked spirits, none of them can make any believer, can force them into doing something or allowing them to do some destruction in their life. Can't. 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 What they have to do is trick you. They have to trick you. They have to deceive you into letting them in. They have to work and deceive, lie, bring feelings, suggestions, temptations, all the stuff that goes with it to get you to give place, give in, yield to it. That's the only way they can work destruction in your life. So the main objective of every believer is to do what? Stand against it. Don't let it in. Don't give in. Don't give up. Never stop resisting the devil. That you said out loud, stand against. Other translations say the deceitfulness, the strategies, the trickery of the devil. Why do you need all this armor? Keep reading, keep reading. Verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What are they trying to do? All of them trying to deceive, trick. Why? Because if you yield to these lies and believe them and yield to these things, they can manifest destruction. Keep going. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to, he says it again, to do what? Withstand. In the evil day and having done all what? Stand. Can you see every, in fact, some of these same words are translated resist in other places in the New Testament. Every one of these is about resisting Resisting, resisting, resisting. There's a very simple, powerful two-letter word you need to use with the enemy all the time. N-O. No. No. Say this. No. Do this. No. Think this. No. Yield to this. No. Give in to this. No. 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 no, no now, no next, right. no never. Right. No. 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 Somebody say no. no. When it comes to the devil, all you need to know is no. 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 <laughs> Verse 14. Stand therefore. What's he talking? Why keep talking about stand, stand, withstand? Stand against these lies and strategies. Having your loins girded about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Keep reading. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking the shield of faith above all. With you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are those fiery darts? Strategies. 
thoughts, lies, feelings, deceptions. Right? To trick you. To fool you. To deceive you. And all these pieces of armor are to do what? To protect you from being pierced. Penetrated by these deceptions. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. So in talking about this, our main job, as we said, is to resist. Paul said, I have kept the faith. Somebody say, kept the faith. Go to Ephesians 4. And then we go to 1 Peter 5, and I'll read some other scriptures to you. We, we covered in times past that the scriptures said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us because we're not ignorant of his devices. Many people are ignorant of how he works. But if you walk with the Lord and, and be full of the word, He'll enlighten you. He's been doing this with us for these many weeks, right? Enlightening us, showing us this is the enemy. This is how he works. This is what you do, right? So that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. His mode of operation, his device, device is, is in the realm of thoughts, feelings, suggestions, temptations... To deceive. And do not underestimate his ability to lie. He's the best liar, if I could use that phrase. The most accomplished liar. The most effective liar there has ever been. There's never been a con man to match him. You talk about somebody that is smooth. And somebody that is tricky. The scripture said people are looking when they hear devil, they're looking for uh, uh, something red with horns and a pitchfork. And yet the Bible said he transforms himself as an angel of light. He sold many people that he was an angel and was from God. He's deceived many, many along that line. How many know all you got to do is stay with the book? Stay with the book. I don't care if a hundred member angel choir in gleaming robes descends out of the ceiling in your bedroom tomorrow when you wake up and they sing to you amazing revelation in multiple harmonies with a light show. (laughs) If it contradicts any verse in this book, I don't care how real it is, I don't care how spectacular it is, you just say... No. 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 I'm not accepting it. I'm not believing it. Because if it was God, how many of God never contradicts himself? Never. 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 Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither, what's the understood subject here again? You, you are not to give place to the devil. Now this is what we began talking about. In order for him to do something in your life, what has to happen? He can't just come do it. You have to get, whether ignorantly or knowingly, you have to give him place. And the scripture says, don't do it. Don't do it, which means you don't have to. Another translation, the Amplified says, leave no room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Don't do it. Now in 1 Peter 5, oh, and we're getting to it now. Thank you, Lord. You got to lay a foundation. You got to cut down the little trees before you cut down the big tree. So it'll lay in the right place, right? (laughs) That's why I get hung up in the tops of the little trees and you got problems. Or it falls on your house or car. And you say, I should have prayed before I did that. <laughs> First Peter 5 and 8. It says, 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Does this sound like uh, a, a war is going on? Yes. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Do you have an adversary? Yes. Yeah, you do. He's unseen, but he's real. The devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now that's a vast difference between saying going around devouring whoever he wants to. No. 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 Did you hear earlier that word can't? Can't. The devil cannot just come into your life and do things. He can't. He has to get you to cooperate with him. Now most people would not knowingly do that. So why do they do it? He's tricky. Very, very deceptive. Keep reading. Whom, what do you do? What do you do? Here's that word again. What do you do when the enemy comes? Your number one job is to resist the devil. But notice this next word. Resist him what? Steadfast in the faith. Knowing, now this is something you need to know, you are not a special case. You hear people say, nobody knows the pressure I've been under. That's a lie. Same thing's happening to millions all over the planet. Maybe the trappings are a little different, situation a little different, but the basics are the same. Millions have been through it before you came along. The Lord tears is coming. Millions will go through it after you're gone. The same affliction. Somebody say the same. same. Not not almost as bad. The same. The same. Are being accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Do not let it. That's one of the big lies of the devil. Nobody's been through what you're going through. Poor dear. What he's trying to do is get you to feel sorry for yourself. Which is yielding to him. You do that. He can destroy you. Some of the best advice you will ever get, ever, is this. Never, for any reason, at any time, under any circumstances, never feel sorry for yourself. To do so is not faith. To do so is to yield to the enemy. To do so is to hinder God from helping you and other people from helping you. Say it out loud. Never. Never. Ever. Ever. Feel sorry. Sorry. For, yourself. for yourself. Now you'll be tempted. All of us have yielded some to it. But when you're tempted and you feel that and you hear that and see that, get yourself by the ear and say, no you don't. No you don't. No. When it comes to feeling sorry for yourself, just say no. No, just say no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You're tempted to get depressed. You say, no, no, no. I'm having a party today. That's what I'm doing. Having a party. Even if tears are coming down your seat. I, I don't care if you have to take toothpicks and prop up the corners of your mouth. You go, we're having a party. God is good. Victory is mine. Jesus already paid the price. The devil is defeated. Let's have a good time. You don't have to feel like it. You don't have to look like it. That's what faith is all about. It's a choice. Whom resist what? Steadfast in the faith. Say it out loud. Resist. Steadfast in the faith. Now what does that mean resist steadfast? This reveals something. Resisting one time is not enough. It's not going to be enough. You're going to have to resist. And then you're going to have to resist again. And then you're going to have to resist again. And then you're going to have to resist again. That's where the steadfast part comes in. This is something I think a lot of folks have not understood about the enemy. We're not ignorant of his devices, how he works. I think with a whole lot of Christians, the devil is not successful most of the time on the first time he approaches them. 
to tempt them, to pressure them, to influence them. I think most of the time with most people, most Christians especially, he's not successful the first time or the third time or the tenth time sometimes. But he is successful way too often on the 30th time or the 60th time or the 90th time. Come on, are y'all with me? And he is a persistent cuss. He will come back again and again and again. You might say, make him stop. I'm just going to ask God to make him stop. Save your breath. Save your breath. The Lord didn't tell you to beg him to make him stop. What did he tell you to do? You are to resist him. What if he comes a hundred times? Then you resist him a hundred times. What if he comes a thousand times? You you resist him. When do you stop resisting him? See, that's when people fall. We shared the account of the experience Brother Hagin had where the Lord showed him how the devil works. And he showed him that woman. And the enemy came and, and, and brought thoughts to her mind. You're a beautiful woman. You have talent. You're a great singer. But you've been robbed in life. Because you're, uh, you're pastoring with your husband this little church. Nobody knows you. You're not appreciated. All that. She, the story revealed that she resisted it. The Lord showed. She said no. And she resisted it. And the enemy left her. Yes. But after a while, yep. he came back. Yes, sir. And he's saying the same thing. You're a beautiful woman. You've been robbed in life. Now see, what's he doing? He knows which bait for which fish. What's he going to deal with you about? What you would bite on. He's done research on you. He's followed you around. He's listened to you talk. He's watched what you do. So the bait's going to be tailor-made for you. And if you don't bite the first time, I think they probably didn't even expect you to bite the first time. No problem. They'll be back. They'll be back. They'll be back. And said he came back. And again, she said, get behind me. She resisted him. And he left. But eventually, she didn't resist anymore. Because Jesus told him in that vision, she liked to think, I'm beautiful. I've been robbed. I'm talented. He said, even then, she could have repented. She could have said, get out of here. That's a lie. I'm not going to believe. And she would have been fine. But no, she chose. Did you hear that word? She chose to listen to it and yield on the, whatever it was, 30th time, 60th time. Say it out loud. Resist. Steadfast. In the faith. We must not be surprised when the enemy comes back. Again and again. Go to Judges, the 14th chapter, and I'll fill you in with some other things. The scripture said that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, we're talking about Friday night, with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing. Anybody remember the verse? Doing good and healing. Who? Who? All that were what? Oppressed. Of the devil. Which again gives insight into how he operates and works. The devil, all his cohorts, he is the oppressor. Jesus is the deliverer. The devil is the oppressor. And the Lord drew my attention to something last night I hadn't seen before. He said, uh, take the O off of that. (laughs) Press. We've been talking about this, all, you know, haven't we? Repeatedly about how the enemy will come and he'll do this. Is that right? He'll just keep pushing you. The devil is pushy. He's pushy. And this war is a war of attrition. By that I mean his plan is to wear you down. Until you give in. 
until you give up. Which give in to temptation or give up to despair and fear and unbelief. Either way, he'll push you. He'll put, if it's temptation, he'll push you by going, do it. Now you're not, you're not hearing a voice. You're not seeing anything, but the thoughts and the feelings are coming. Say it. Do it. Call them. Call them. Go say them. Text them. Look at it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Now tell me about your response to this. Come here. <laughs> huh? And if you resist the enemy, what will happen? He will leave. But it didn't say he will never come back. So, you can get relief. You can get free. But, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. When? Remember this? Look at that. Do it. Do it. Come on, you know you want to. Do it. Just do it. No. Do it. You have to resist him, and you have to resist him steadfast. Keep on, time after time, repeatedly, as many times as it takes, if you want to win. Because the moment, the time you quit resisting is the time you start losing. But Jesus ministered healing and deliverance to all who were oppressed of the devil and the Lord reminded me of something that's a type of Jesus and a type of what happened in the wilderness. How many remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days a night? What was the enemy doing? What was he doing? He was pushing him. He was tempting him. He was pressuring him. You know you're hungry. You know you're hungry. You're hungry. How about a fresh Big loaf of bread. Big loaf of multi-grain. Hot out the oven. Crust just like you like it. Soft and chewy on the inside. Come on, come on. There's plenty of rocks. You know how the faith works. Talk to them. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Rock. Be turned into bread. Rock. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Why not? You know you're hungry. Why would God care if you turn a rock into bread? Come on. Come on. Do it. Took him up on the pinnacle of the temple. What's he saying? Jesus had defeated him, resisting him with the word. Didn't he? It is written. No, I'm not going to do it. This is why I'm not going to do it. Because the word says this. Get behind me. Amen. No. But. He didn't just say, okay. Never hear from me again. No, he just changed to another area. Is that right? Is he tricky? Oh, he's tricky. Tricky. I'm not going to weep one tear. When he gets thrown into the lake of fire. I'm not. How about you? And. Uh, He said, well, Mr. Scriptorian, isn't it written? Isn't it written? He'll give his angels charge over you. They'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Isn't that in the Bible? Isn't that in the Bible? You believe the Bible, don't you? Do you really believe that an angel will swoop in and catch you? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You said you believe the Bible. Do you believe it? Prove it. Jump. Jump. If you're not scared, jump. Can you see how many times? There are a lot of young people who are no longer with us because of a dare. I dare you. I dare you. I double dog. Oh, you double dog. Well, I got to do it. I got to do it now because they done double dog dare me. How ignorant is that? I said, how ignorant is that? So some, and how many, a lot of people, young people, older people alike, they go to do it to prove they're a man, to prove they're not scared. And all the time their spirit's screaming, don't do this, don't do this. Are you crazy? Don't do this. But they got to prove something to somebody. Don't realize the devil is leading them around by a chain. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like a dog. Yeah. Yes, sir. And they're foolish enough oh to do it. Yeah. That's why so many times people have been hurt bad or killed. Why? Because when you yield to the deception of the devil, now you're going to get the destruction of the devil. Yeah. He has a right. He has an opening yeah. to come in and hurt, steal, yeah. kill, and destroy. Because yeah. you, you yielded to it. Yep. You gave into it. Yeah. No. You don't have to respond to that. And I'm gonna, there's something to shout about here in just a minute concerning this. You, you're going to really like it. You can be absolutely impervious to his junk. You can be impenetrable. That's what the armor's for. Come on, can you see this? It just, you can be to the point where it doesn't get to you. It doesn't get through to you. It doesn't touch you. Now, I didn't say it's not going to come. Some people have left the idea you could get to a place spiritually where you're no longer subject to being tempted. No way, no how. Jesus himself was tempted. Is that right? No, no. But you can develop to where, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Judges 14 you see, the Lord reminded me of how the enemy works. He was doing this with Jesus in the wilderness. He does this with everybody. He operates the same way. Samson was anointed of God. Wasn't he? And by that anointing, he defeated the enemy. Is that right? Killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Now that's some serious... Fighting anointing, isn't it? Yes, We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Yes, so how was he defeated? Armies couldn't defeat him. Walls, city walls couldn't hold him in. Is that right? People, thousands of people with spears and swords could not take Samson out and down. And yet, I said, and yet. The devil took him out. How? With Delilah. Beware. But did Delilah defeat Samson? No. No. Could Delilah destroy Samson herself? No. Could the enemy destroy Samson? They couldn't. They tried repeatedly. Who destroyed Samson? Samson destroyed Samson. Why? How? By giving in, yielding, right, to the enemy who in this case was speaking through Delilah. In Judges 14, 16, this had already happened to him. This wasn't Delilah. This was his first Philistine woman. You know, the enemy will keep coming back in the same areas because he knew uh, Samson had a weak spot for those Philistine women. His parents begged him, no, no, buddy, not a Philistine woman. No, you know those Philistines. Oh, they're wild. They're ungodly. No, please, please. Let's find you a nice little Jewish girl. But no, he wants a wild Philistine woman. And so he got him one. And right before they're married, you know, they had the riddle that he got with these Philistine leaders. And Samson's wife, they came to his wife-to-be and said, get him to tell you the riddle. And you tell us and we'll take his money away from him. We'll win the deal. And so she did. She came and said, tell me the riddle, tell me the riddle. He said, no, no, I can't tell you the riddle. Hadn't told my parents, anybody. And and, and verse 16, she wept before him. She cried. She turned on the tears. And she said, you hate me. You hate me. You don't love me. You put this riddle to the children of my people, and you didn't tell me. If you love me, you would tell me. But you don't. You don't care. You don't 
care. And he said to her, look, I hadn't told anybody. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my daddy. Why do I have to tell you? Verse 17, she cried before him seven days. Oh, oh. Who wants to hear crying and sobbing and pitiful? You don't love me for seven days. You wake up in the morning. Here's what you hear. <laughs> Three days into it, what do you hear? <laughs> this is insight into how the devil works. What's he trying to do? What's he trying to do? Wear him down. Get him so frazzled, so tired, it's going to be hard to sleep through all this. You're not going to be able to rest. That's what he's counting on. He's counting on, if not by the third day, at least the fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. You had not got any sleep for days, hadn't got any rest. Your eyes are bloodshot. You're just like, please, somebody shoot me. <laughs> That's how you feel. So how do you make it stop? How do you make it stop? You give in. You do what he was pushing you to. That's how you get peace. But it's not true. I said it's not true. It's a lie. There is no peace to the wicked way. Well, the Lord's helping us, saints. He's helping us in here. She wept before him for seven days while the feast lasted. They're supposed to be having a party. They're supposed to be getting ready to get married. It's supposed to be one of the happiest times of your life. How many know what's wrong with this whole picture? There should not even be a wedding. There should be no Philistine woman in the picture. So you have a hard time praying this right. Praying this through. When it's got nothing to do with the plan of God. And you got the door wide open for the enemy. She wept before him seven days while the feast lasted. It came to pass on the seventh day that he did what? On the seventh day? What did he do? He told her. He gave in. He gave it up. Why? Why? Because she lay sore upon him. What does that mean? Is he feeling pressure from her? Is he feeling pressure? So he did. And you know what happened? She ran straight and told him. Completely unfaithful. And uh, you know the thing? He got mad. He left. He had a bit of a temper. And, uh, you know, the things that ensued, battles, foxes with fire on their tails. I mean, it got out of hand. Is that right? (laughs) And how many think you should have learned your lesson about Philistine women and about giving in when somebody's pushing you? It cost him, but it didn't cost him his life and his anointing and everything. But see, if you don't learn your lesson it's going to come up again. Yes. And next time it can cost you too much. Yes. It can cost you everything. Well, eventually, he wound up with the Philistine of Philistine women, Delilah. When the Philistine women wanted to know how to act, they took Delilah classes. <laughs> she had the moves. She knew how to do it. So the military leaders, the generals, the heads of government came to Delilah. This is how you got to help us here. Find out how he does what he does. We know you can do it. Nobody can stand before Delilah. (laughs) And Judges 16 verse 15. She said to him, Delilah said to Samson, what'd she say? What'd she say? How can you say... You love, I love you. 
And your heart's not with me. You don't care about me. You mock me. These three times. Now, now hold on. Hold on. These three times what? That whatever he told her, she ran straight and told his enemies? Man, get a clue. Is that wake up, boy? But, 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 you really see something here. It's called the deceptiveness of sin. Sin is a deceiver. Because sin is of the devil. And he is a deceiver. I'm quoting scriptures. You know, I remember Hebrews and Romans warned you about the deceitfulness of sin. When the devil tempts you, what you need to do is tell that lie and you can get that money. And when you get that money, you can get that new truck. And he paints a picture of you and your new truck. Man, you're so happy riding down the road, arm out the window. Everybody's going, man, that's a nice new truck. (laughs) But it's deception. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. Because God's not in it, you're going to get the wrong truck. And it's going to have recalls and problems. You've got to take it back nine times. And you're not going to be able to enjoy riding in it because your conscience is bothering you. And you're going to get into accidents. And every, Come on, y'all, listen to me. And everything. It ain't going to be like he portrayed it to you. It's a lie. Tempting you. Get drunk. Get high. It's going to be amazing. Man, you're going to take trips you've never taken. Do it. Do it. It's going to be so amazing. You're going to transcend. Man, you're going to fly. Get drunk. Get high. Do it. And anybody that's done it knows it ain't like that. It's not like the picture. The devil's the king of false advertising. Isn't he? What does he care? He's a liar. He's a known liar. You ever say, you lied to me? He said, well, it's in this book. You should have known. I I thought you knew. (laughs) And if you see my mouth moving, lies are coming out. He's the father of lies. Have that affair. Have that affair. People look at somebody from across the way. They don't know them at all. They just like the way they look. And the enemy goes, oh, perfect, 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 perfect. You could have an affair. Nobody would ever know. Nobody. Nobody. Somebody say lies. Lies. Why? Nobody's ever going to know. Are you kidding me? The very one that told you nobody's going to know. He's going to see to it that it comes out. And it'll just be so amazing. It'll be so wonderful. Because they will appreciate you. And they will treat you right. And you don't even know them. Hadn't spent any time with them. How many understand if somebody yields to that and they get into it and the sneaking around and the lying that it's nothing like the Hollywood fairy tale that the devil sold them on? It's a lie. It's a lie. And all these repercussions and things that he didn't tell you about begin to transpire. The deceptiveness, the deceitfulness of sin. Knowing that makes you stronger to resist it. When he comes and brings it to you, you immediately know, that's a lie. It wouldn't be like that anyway. That's not true. No. I'm not thinking about it. God's ministering to some people. I'm not going to do it. Somebody say, no, no, no. And she said, you hadn't told me where your great strength lies because you don't love me. Usually people that are hollering about, you don't love me, the truth is, they don't love you. They're not loving you. If they were, they wouldn't be pushing you like this, wouldn't be pressing you. If you love me, you'll do this for me. Well, if you love me, you wouldn't be saying that. Moving right along. Verse 16, it came to pass when she did what? What'd she do? Pressed him daily, every day, with her words, and urged him, so that what? His soul was vexed to death. 
And yet he just keeps coming back for more. And he's not there 10 minutes till she starts crying and pressuring him. And you don't love me. And you got to tell me. He was so pressed. He was so vexed. At verse 17, he told her all his heart. And that was it. That time, I mean with the other one, the first one, it cost him. But not his anointing, not his call, not his ministry. But this time it cost him his ministry. It cost him his anointing. Isn't it though such insight into how the enemy works? He pushes. He just keeps on. He's pressing, nagging, pushy, vexing, tormenting. Just won't shut up. Just keeps on and on and on and on. Somebody say, that's the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil. There's no peace in it. It's just vexation. And you'll notice it's trying to push you to some action or some response. Either temptation, do something you know you shouldn't do, or to give in or to give up. Somebody say, give in. Give in in means let it happen or do it. Give in or give up. How does that work? How does that work? It's not going to happen. You heard what the doctor said. It's never going to be right. You're not going to make it. That part's dead. It can't work. You just need to learn to live with it. Give up. Give up give up. You're never going to have a normal life. It's never going to work right for you. You might as well admit it. Give up. Give up. You're not going to live a long life. Just get ready. Get your stuff in order. You're going to die. You're going to die young. Just get used to it. Accept it. Accept it. There's nothing. You might as well give up. Give up. Quit. Quit. That is, it's too late. It's gone too far. You heard what they said. You heard. You saw what the tests were. Quit, quit playing ostrich with your head in the sand. Live in the real world. Just accept your fate. Accept your lot in life. You're not going to make it. That's when you better get something inside you. Come on, you better get some backbone. Come on, are you listening to me? And you better get some faith in your heart and some word of God in your mouth. And you better get to saying, all things are possible to him that believes and I believe. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. Anything, it's entirely possible and easy for the Lord to fix my Lungs to fix my heart, to fix my kidneys, to fix my blood. No, I'm not accepting. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. That's where the fight of faith comes in. Can you say amen? Go to Romans. Romans 6 and 6. You get a hold of this, it'll make a shout. You ready? Yeah. Romans 6, chapter 5, 6, and 7, actually 8, 2, they all flow together. Some of the best things you'll ever read and hear about reality of redemption, how things were, how things are, they are now in Christ, the victory that he got us, that we have. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Keep reading. For he that is dead is free from sin. Hallelujah. We're going to have baptism today after the service. And uh, that's what baptism represents. Dead and buried. Right? And raised in resurrection life. Raised to newness of life. Dead to what? And alive to what? 
dead to sin, alive unto God. Come on, say it out loud. Dead to sin, alive unto God. Dead to sin, dead to the devil. Dead to deception. See, all that's involved with, with sin. The wages of sin is death. Dead to it and alive to God. Verse 8. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Amen. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Amen. Somebody say dead to sin, dead to sin. Dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. I'm alive to God. And I'm dead. Dead to sin. Now let me show you something. Let me show you something. Samson had problems with Delilah. He was not dead to Delilah. Her charms, her this, her that, they worked all too well on him. But you take Delilah, you give her the new ultra makeover. The nicest clothes, the nicest everything, and you parade her in front of a casket of a dead man. <laughs> oh, come on, help me out. Huh? And Delilah says, Oh, baby, do you like what you see? And, and you know what the dead man will say? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, come on. No no response at all. Huh? What if if she leans in? Where her perfume is getting in the casket. And she whispers in his ear. Honey, you can whisper all year. Is that right? And you're going to get no response. I said no response. No response. How many believe when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we should give full response, complete response, yield to Him, act on His promptings quickly, completely. When it comes to the devil pushing us, prodding us, urging us, tell me, no. It should be like He's talking to a dead man. Because since we've been born again, our old man is dead. Tries to upset you. People talk. I mean, what if you talk bad about a dead man? You come in, you lean and you go, you are the ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. I didn't know human beings came that ugly. What does he do? Will you see any of this? No, nothing. Nothing. I tell you what you do. You talk about his kids. Let's talk about his kids. Talk about his kids. Your kids are dumbest kids. What's, what's sorry kids? No response. Nothing. Nothing. Dead to sin. Dead to deception. Dead to suggestions. Now, If you felt dead always, you wouldn't have to count yourself dead. Oh, no, no. You got a body. You'll have feelings and things will come. But when they do, you know, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? You got to go. Lay down, dead man. Grab your flesh by the throat. Slam him. Body slam him. Back to the casket. And shut the door and say, shut up, dead man. You're dead. You're dead to people talking about you. You're dead to getting mad and pitching a fit. You're dead, dead, dead. You're dead. Dead. That's right. Lay down, dead man. Yes, sir. Now you talk about something that's frustrating to demons. You talk about something that is vexing and frustrating to the devil. When they come back after six months with you, and he goes, what about it? I'm not seeing any movement. They go, sorry, boss. It's like talking to a dead man. I mean, he won't won't give.
give me the time of day he wants. Nothing I do seems to work on this guy. You're all armored up. Hallelujah. And you are resisting every temptation and feeling that comes from him. In closing, James 4. Go to James 4. James 4. Oh, hallelujah. I got the victory. Oh, hallelujah. I walk in liberty. Hallelujah. James 4, verse 7. Does anybody know it? James 4, 7. Submit yourselves. Yield yourselves. What? To God. Stand up, everybody, on your feet. Submit yourselves to God. And then what do you do? What do you do? The Lord brought my attention to this last phrase. Resist, the devil does not want you to see this and know this, but the Bible is absolutely true. What happens every time you resist the devil? Come on, help me out. Every time. He will flee from you. He can't stay. Now, he might come back later, but he can't stay when you really resist him. He can't stay. Somebody say, he can't stay. He can't stay. stay. I don't care how bad he wants to. He can't stay. Brother Hagin said, the Lord, letting him see some of those things, he'd command the spirit to leave. He said, sometimes they'd fall down on the ground and shake like a little pup that you'd hit with a newspaper and and say, numerous times they'd say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But I know if you tell me to, I have to go. He said, yeah, shut up and get out of here. And they'd jump up and run away. They've got no choice. No choice. Is it true? I said, is it true that when we resist the devil, he will flee from you? He will. Somebody say, he will. That word flee has the idea of run away. To run away from. Run away from. Somebody needs to do it right now. If the devil's been lying to you, about that situation, telling you that ain't going to work, you're never going to get this, it's never going to be okay, you're never going to overcome this, trying to get you to give in to something that's wrong, or trying to get you to give up on getting something that's good and right. Say it out loud, I'm not giving in to the devil. I'm not giving up. In Jesus' name. Satan, I resist you. Leave me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he has to. He has to. He's got no choice. No choice. No choice. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.